podcast one production. Jenny Cooney has been a part of Hollywood for 30 years, reporting on all the Aussie stars, from Hoax to the Hemsworths, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Margot Robbie and beyond. This is Aussies in Hollywood. Danielle McDonald is an unusual Aussies in Hollywood story, but she's also one of the more inspiring ones. That's because she's never worked professionally as an actress in Australia, ever. Danielle got so frustrated not landing a single audition in two years at home, instead of giving up, she decided to try a bigger pond and move to Hollywood. It still took another seven years slogging it out, but last year she finally scored her breakthrough role that changed everything. She starred as a New Jersey rapper in the Sundance Film Festival hit Patty Cakes. Since then, she's played Jennifer Aniston's daughter in the upcoming film Dumplin'. She played Jamie Bell's girlfriend in Skin. And she's filming the limited series Unbelievable opposite Tony Collette. Danielle kindly dropped off her visiting parents at Venice Beach near my home recently so she could pop in and visit me and my dog to talk about her career including one surreal moment when she flew cross-country watching Friends on the plane, only to get off the flight and go straight to Jennifer Aniston's home. It doesn't get any more Hollywood than that, right? Here's Danielle. Danielle, welcome to Aussies in Hollywood. Thank you. I'm so excited to get to talk to you, um, Dakota. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's my dog. All right. Um... Yes, I'm excited to talk to you because you've got such an inspirational story. And you're only 26, right? Uh, 27 now, oh, but yes. You turned 27. <laughs> I did turn 27 <laughs> recently, yeah. So um, why don't we start at the beginning because you grew up in New South Wales, is that right? Yeah, I grew up in Sydney, um, the Northern Beaches. What was your experience with TV and film like when you were growing up? What do you remember had an influence on you? Um that's funny actually because we didn't have cable growing up and I did swimming every day or gymnastics or dance or something we were me and my sister were always busy and always into sports um so I didn't really ever get home in time to watch tv I guess I I think there was a phase where I, I watched home and away in like sixth seventh grade that kind of thing I'd be like we have to get home by seven so I can watch um but I I think tv wasn't a huge influence on me at first uh but I always watch movies I would always on the way home I'd make my parents stop at the video store in Avalon and um get me a dvd uh well actually it was vhs at the time and then it turned into dvds but um, I, I used to do that all the time and they were, they just knew that I was obsessed with them. So I would watch movies constantly and then, and then box sets of TV shows came out and then I would go through them as well. Um, so I, I don't know. I just kind of fell in love with it. I, I've always loved movies and shows and kind of getting into another world. When you were watching, were you thinking I want to do this or were you just lost mm, in that world? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I, I'm I'm trying to remember back that far, but I don't really remember ever thinking, oh, this is what I want to do. I don't think I really knew what it was. It was just something that I loved watching. Um, and then I, I remember watching Alias when I was in like seventh, no, eighth grade or something like that. I got the box sets um, of the first couple seasons. 
I was like, wow, this is so cool. <laughs> um, thinking that, but I think it was, I started doing some acting classes in about eighth grade. And that's when I really just started to love that. And I think it was probably around 10th grade where I was like, okay, this is what I actually really, I can't, I can't imagine wanting to do anything else, I guess. But it also seemed completely unrealistic, which I was aware of, but <laughs> it didn't make me not want to do it any less. So, <laughs> Well, when did you actually go from watching to trying to do it? That was the eighth grade, I guess. Um, so it was a play or? A it, it was actually, my neighbor was doing these performing arts classes uh, and we always played make-believe growing up, you know what I mean? All of that stuff. And she really loved them. And so I decided to do them on Saturdays as well, uh, just to see how I liked it. And um, it was singing, dancing, and acting. And I mean, I always say I'm not a singer. I'm a really bad singer. I can't sing, but... Which is ironic given that I, your I, breakthrough I, role was... A well, kind of a kind singing, of rapping. I, yeah, ra <laughs> rapping is something else it's entirely cakes. for me. For some reason, I don't know why I can disassociate rapping and singing, but I can't sing. I'm like, I learned how to rap for a role, but like, I, I can't sing. Um, but the, the dancing part was kind of fun, but it was the acting that I really fell in love with. I don't know. And then after that, I couldn't go back. And then I did do a play later that year and it was the biggest high. I was like, wow, this is so fun. I want to keep doing this. Was that the Australian Institute for Performing Arts? Yeah. Yeah, and we did uh, Hating Alice and Ashley. That was, that was the play that I guess that was my first play, I think. And that was in <laughs> Narrenburn? Is that yeah. where that is? Yeah. yeah. And that was near – you lived in Avalon, did you say? Yeah, I lived in Avalon. It was like 45 minutes away from home. Oh. My mum's an angel. Yeah, she was, she was basically a taxi driver, which – I feel bad about, but that's why when she got into town yesterday, I went and picked her up at 5 a.m. Because I'm like, you know what? I so owe you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. She must be excited that you're here visiting her in Hollywood and, you know, seeing what your life's like here. Yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, my mom and my dad came out. They're so excited to to kind of, I mean, they, they know L.A. very well now because I've been here for eight years, so they come out all the time. But they're excited because... I'm busy. I'm working while they're here this time, which is, I don't think I've been working while they were in LA. Usually I go away to work and they come into LA, but this is kind of the first time I'm like, okay, I, I, I got to go to work at 5am. So I'll see you at 10pm. And they're like, what? <laughs> How many hours are you working? I'm like, that's, that's <laughs> this industry. Um, so it's, it's nice having them here. So your, your first role was not in Australia, is that right? Did you get a something in Australia professionally first before you came here? No, I've never professionally worked in Australia. Wow, that's ever, amazing. Still. Yeah, it's weird. That's an unusual story. Yeah, it's it's strange, and I've never gotten to play an Australian. Um, so that was, yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy. It's really weird. So, so tell me how that came to be. You obviously you discovered this passion that you had. And you got an agent, I believe, right? Yeah, I, I got an agent when I was 16, I think, um, in Australia. And I was with her for a year. I just never got any auditions. Um, and then I got a different agent when I was 17. I was with her for a year and I just never got any auditions. It's just, it's kind of a recurring theme. I don't understand. You, you have an agent for two years. Yeah. And not one audition? 
No, and they were they were good agents as well. Like I had friends that were with them that went out. I just I just never did. Not even like for a commercial or anything. What do you think that was about? I just don't really think there were the roles for me, honestly, in Australia growing up. Um it it Australia wasn't the most Okay, first of all, there were only a certain amount of shows. Like it's it's a, a much smaller pool than America. And then secondly, it wasn't the most diverse growing up. You kind of just saw the same person over and over, which I really know has been changing, which I love that Australia now has a, a lot more diversity in every respect, um, which is great. But at the time there wasn't. But I, I would watch American shows and I would see that there's at least a little bit more. And I was like, well, there's clearly a bit more opportunity there. And I came out and did a couple of just like tours, just like couple week classes out here um, with the acting school I was with. And it, they, the people that you meet out here are like, oh, you should be out here working because there, there are roles out here. Um, and they were very few and far between when I first came out. It was still kind of growing. Um, I feel like now there's a lot more opportunity for uh, different ethnicities, for people of different shapes and sizes and I, everything. Like really just diversity. <laughs> One thing I forgot to do. We'll just ignore it. Wait a second. We'll just ignore the phone. <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 no. It's fine. And there's like four of them around the house and to disconnect them all was like. That sounds like an effort. I'm also impressed that you still have a home phone. Well, it's because uh, the reception's not very good around here with the cell. That's fair. That's fair. And also if there was an earthquake. No, it's a good plan. I, it's, I still have <laughs> them at home in Australia. I just don't have them here for some reason. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so you were right in the middle of uh, talking about the diversity. Yeah, uh, there wasn't a ton growing up. Um, even in America when I first came out, there wasn't a ton, but I think over the years it kind of kept growing and growing and the few roles that you do go out for, you kind of just fingers crossed that you'll get. And, uh, I got a few and then you just kind of keep was, building. Um, was Glee the first one? I kind of had a weird experience where I, I booked a role on a TV show out here um oh that's right was, huge. yeah huge and it had like a guarantee 10 episodes pick up um but I didn't get my visa in time to do it so I lost the role which is fine it happens but it got me my visa so I was really really grateful for it and uh then I think the first thing after that was a short film actually but Rachel Weiss directed it so it was like a very cool thing that was the one with Joel Edgerton yeah and Joel Edgerton was in it which was also very cool for me because you know being an Australian I was like wow Joel Edgerton's in this and he was so lovely it made my day because I remember going to set that first day and I'd never been on a professional set ever and I, I was in a cab because I didn't have a car yet and it was 5 a.m. So I wasn't even going to attempt public transport when I was I, I just turned 19 and um, I'm sitting in this cab and I'm freaking out thinking, what if I don't like this? Like, I've never been on a professional set. Like, I know I like classes and getting to do that, but that's a very different thing than being on set. That's what everyone says what if I hate it? What if I just moved halfway around the world and I don't like it and like major panic attack. And then I got to set and they just happened to be some of the nicest people I'd ever met. It was so much fun. We got to do a lot of improv. I don't, I don't know. And 
it was just it was just the best day and at the end of that day I was like wow yeah I'm never doing anything else this is what I want to do wow thank god thank god that worked out so you you took a huge risk um for to chase a profession that you weren't even sure you wanted to do in the reality of actually doing it right I mean I was positive it was what I wanted to do but then yeah right before I actually did it for the first time I was like wait a minute I've never done this before but but in my I I I mean I always really really wanted to do it so thank god that that instinct turned out to be right but yeah it was a big risk but you know, I think every Australian actor that wants to come to America knows how incredibly difficult it is to get a working visa out here. It's not easy. And if you want to try and act out here, that's what you need. So I got a visa and I was like, I'm not going to waste that opportunity. I was in, I was at UNSW in Australia and I, I dropped out because I was like, I, 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 this is, what I want to do I want to act so I moved to America and I just started from scratch out here basically so go let's go back to um huge it was a it was like a weight camp uh yeah it was a it was a wellness camp for teenagers um and people had like different issues there but yeah basically it was like a fat camp and this was like an ABC family it was an ABC family show it was really beautifully written. It was actually like very, it was, it was really sweet. I, I remember really liking it. It's been, you know, it's been, it's been like nine years since yeah. I've read it. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you say now, oh, well, I got my visa and these things happened. I can't imagine that's how you felt <laughs> while you were going through this. Take us through like that's the first huge, you know, hurdle you've had to overcome, you know, thinking yeah. I'm on the right track. I've got this role. So people believe in me and then finding out you weren't allowed to because of a legal issue. Yeah. Um, I mean, I was 18 at the time. Um, you know, so you're, you're still young and you're just, I, I don't know. I, um, I found out I booked the show and it was like this extreme elation, obviously. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's, this is what I want to do. And I just got a job and this is, I mean, this is crazy. This is so exciting. And I was and 10 episodes and, and 10 episodes. Exactly. And, but I knew in the back of my mind, cause I'd been told that it was going to be hard to get the visa and hard to get the visa in time. So that was in the back of my mind when I got it, I was just so excited at first, but then, you know, every, we put in the visa and every day we're waiting. I'm like, okay, waiting. Still no word, still no word, still no word until I got a call saying um, production starts tomorrow and they have to replace you. So they did. And it sucked, obviously. It really, really sucked. I remember being very upset. Um, I was at home in Australia, so I also felt completely disconnected from out here because my my managers were out here and they like called me at I don't know. I think they didn't know the time difference at that time. They called me at like 4 a.m., which they had no idea about. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time that that was happening, uh, my grandpa was actually really sick in Australia. So we're, anytime we were getting a call at like 4 a.m., it was either about that or him. And so my parents were also like jumpy. And um, I think it kind of also put things into perspective a little bit. Because while I was upset, that was something, obviously, my grandpa was something that 
was way more upsetting. So that was kind of more an issue. And then I think the next day I found out that I got the visa. And I think if I hadn't got the visa and had lost the role, I think I would have been devastated because I would have been like, wow, I'm never going to get another opportunity like that to come out here. But I did get the visa. And so I knew I was going to move out and start from scratch. And like, I was like, well, I booked one. I could book another one. Even if it takes 10 years, I'll get there. And I remember I went and visited my grandpa in hospital that day. And one of the last things he he heard was that I I got my my visa. And he was always such a big supporter of me doing this. Um, he He wrote himself and he was an artist. He was just such a creative. So he was always so passionate about the fact that I was passionate about acting. And so that was, I don't know, I just, the recognition, the smile that he had when he found out I got to move was really exciting. Um, so the visa you got was not specifically for one job. You could have that visa and work. Yeah, because it was sponsored by my managers. So with an O one, one you can, it can either be sponsored by a studio, so you can only work for that studio, or you can get one that's sponsored by your agents or managers and then it's open. Well, that's great. Yeah. So that meant that it wasn't just about that one role. That's, that's true. And, the, and don't get me wrong, there are still a lot of studios that uh, don't take open O1s. They want to, if you have an O1, they want to control it. So you can have multiple, vi- I have multiple visas right now because I'm doing something for CBS, t- uh, CBS Studios, I guess. So they have sponsored another visa. So like you can have concurrent visas. Oh, so I'm learning a lot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So the thing that was one of the challenges when you first move out here, uh, often you'll go in for an audition. They'll be like, she's pinned, you know, this role is hers. Wait, they won't take the visa. They're only taking green cards uh, or citizens. And it's like, whoa, that was actually a little more devastating when it happened like three times. I missed on like three roles because of my visa. And that's, that's hard. That's really, really hard. Yeah. So um, then you eventually had that visa in your hand and you started mm-hmm. doing um, – you had a good little string of TV roles, right? You did Glee and The Middle and Pretty Little Liars, Broke Girls. Yeah, yeah. You basically you do co-stars, you do guest stars, you just try and build up credits and get experiences and uh, that was – that was really fun. Like I had a great time on all those things. Glee got me my SAG card, which also seemed like another impossible hurdle to get through. And then I booked that and they taft heartlied me. So I was able to get in the union and I was like, wow, this feels like another breakthrough. And um, that's kind of great when you keep just making headway, you keep feeling a little bit more positive. But then the more you work, the more you want to work as well. I feel like at the beginning, everyone's like, okay, but at least you're in the game. And I'm like, no, once you start working, you just get this like, craving to hope that it keeps up um so it's hard in the periods where like if you book there was one year where I think I booked like four jobs and then I didn't work for a year and that's so hard because you think that you're building up and you're getting closer and closer and then and then you don't work and you're like wow maybe I'll never work again (laughs) and they're kind of the hardest moments um so in those moments you just kind of really got to push through and wait it out and it was also weird because I think that year I'd have more auditions than I'd ever had before so I'm like am I getting worse like what is happening <laughs> but then you know then I found patty cakes right after that so I don't know it's weird so how did you su- how did you survive if you didn't work for a year if you don't mind me asking well you 
that's the good thing about acting. It's like you'll get like decent paychecks for other things. And in that respect, it's it's like you really can't live like that is your paycheck. You really got to like skim it out and make it last until the next job. But also residuals. Residuals are really great. Um, and I mean, you do what you can. You do like random odd jobs for cash. You, you just you get by. Okay, what was your best, worst odd job? Babysitting. Well, that's not bad. It's not bad at all. It's <laughs> really, really not bad. But that was, yeah, that was that was my one. Mm-hmm. So what made you keep going when, first of all, basically two years with an agent in Australia didn't even get you an audition and then you had, you know, a lot of difficulties sort of getting things going here? I mean, wasn't was there a point where you really were like, I don't even know why I care anymore. I'm going to go home. Did you have a plan B? Uh, no, I didn't have a plan B. <laughs> and no, I never got to a point where I was like, I, I don't know why I care anymore. I always cared. That was the problem. You care too much. But um, I also never wanted to stop. There's, it's a feeling in you where you're just like, no, it's going to happen eventually. You have this kind of self-belief, I guess, even if it's really, really weighed down by lots of, you know, you, you go through your insecurities and you're like, maybe I'll never work again. But there is this core belief that no, it will eventually happen. I don't know. That's how I felt. I can't, I can't talk for other people, but there was always that core belief at the very pit of my stomach that was like, no, it'll happen. It'll happen eventually. So I'm not going to freak out. But yeah, I, it's a self-belief. You, you've got to have that. You've got to believe that it's going to happen because otherwise, like, why else are you there? You know, if, if you don't believe that you're going to make it, why would you even come and try? Yeah. So you keep believing in yourself and you keep trying and eventually it does happen. <laughs> Did you have any people that you looked up to or were inspired by their journey? It's hard because it was never like one specific person that I, I heard the story of and I was like, wow that is that is like me I didn't ever hear that but at the same time just I had a lot of friends out here a lot of Australians that came out there's obviously a tight-knit community and I I never worked in Australia so a lot of the Australians that came out know each other because they worked together in Australia first and I I kind of never was a part of that but I um I have my own little mismatch group out here of Americans and Brits and Aussies and it was really nice and some of my Aussie friends obviously know like all the Australians and I would know like a few so I'd like come to these things and and it's just everyone's in the same boat and so you constantly feel like uplifted by everyone else going through the same thing as you and then anytime someone books something you're like yes that's awesome it is possible you know what I mean it's I, that's why I never got everyone's like isn't there so much rivalry and you know tearing each other down I'm like no I feel like you get so excited when people book roles because it gives you hope that there is a chance and we're all in it together and you're all hoping to get there so it, it's actually a really amazing feeling when people you know are booking things it's I, I love it when my friends book things I'm overjoyed it's great. I know last year Australians in Film gave you the Breakthrough Award and you, um, you've you been going to Australians in Film events for a long time, right? Yeah, I, I think probably the first week I moved out to America I went to an Australians in Film event. Um, my friend Steph, who I moved in with, 
when I first moved here, we were roommates for a year, you know, went through the whole struggle together. And she, she and I we used to go to Australians and film events all the time. And we didn't live too far from Harmony Gold, which is where they used to always have the screenings. So, you know, we, we would walk up there. It was like a 30 minute walk away or something. We would walk up there and go to the screenings and it was so much fun. And I didn't really know anyone my first year out here. I was very shy. Um, I wasn't like really genuine. <laughs> <laughs> I was, and I wasn't really trying to make friends. I think, cause I think my mindset was, Oh, I mean, I just graduated high school like a year earlier and I had all my friends in Australia and I was like, Steph's my friend, but like, I have all these friends in Australia. My family's in Australia. I'm just out here for work. And I think you think you can convince yourself of that. But then if you're not creating a life out here, like you're not really living either. So that first year was really nice going to those Australians and film events because I was really shy and I was going with Steph who was like not shy. She's the best people person. <laughs> so I would go to these events and I was around people and it was happy and it was fun and it was a community and it brought me out of my shell a little bit more. And then I think after a year, I, I actually like made an effort and started making friends. And now I have a ton of friends out here and I love every single one of them. And I'm very different. I, I'm, I'm, I'm the same person, but I'm also different than when I moved out, I think. Um, my friends that have known me the whole time are like, oh, yeah, it's weird. It's like you're the exact same, but you're just like a more confident version of yourself, I guess. So let's talk about patty cakes because this was, you know, obviously this changed everything for you. Um, you you just got a call from the director, Jeremy Jasper. Did you know him? How did it come about? Uh, I didn't know him <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, so Jeremy had written this film and he got into the Sundance Director's Lab. And for the director's lab, you're allowed to bring out three actors to workshop five scenes from the film. So he was trying to find actors. And I think he auditioned a bunch of girls in New York for the role and just didn't really find what he was looking for specifically. And um, one of the, I think there were two producers attached or yeah, at the time of the inception, there was literally Jeremy and his two friends who were producing the movie and one of those guys was like, hey, there's this movie I saw at Sundance a few years ago. And this girl is kind of what you're describing. So he showed him a photo of me and he's like, that's what I had in mind. That's that's literally the picture in my mind. So then Jeremy watched a film that I had done. He'd watched scenes from a film I had done. Which because film was it? I did this movie called Every Secret Thing. And it was premiering at Tribeca around the same time that he was looking me up I guess and so it wasn't out yet anywhere but I think an assistant at his wife's company or something like that was the director's assistant on the film and was able to get him like a bootleg copy of this DVD for 20 minutes only before it like he had to it was great it was like one of those weird stories where he like fast forward and like watched a few scenes and he's like okay cool yep great I guess let's just call her up and see if she'll come and do the Sundance Labs. And so he he called, um, I guess, through my rep. I mean, the producers called through my rep. And my managers called me and were like, there's this guy and he wants you to go to the labs. And these I've read up about the labs. These are what the labs are. And so I read up about labs and I was like, these, it sounds really cool. It sounds like an amazing opportunity. But I, I read the script and I was like, I can't do that. 
Like I really can't though. And I, it was such a genuine, like I want to take advantage of every opportunity I'm given, but this guy wants like a cool person (laughs) with swag from Jersey who can rap. And I'm like, I can't, I, I can't be any of that. Like, even if I somehow managed to try and figure out how to be a cool person for a role, I, I, the accent is something I could do if I could learn it, but it was in a week. They were literally asking me to come to do the labs in a week and be away for a month. And I was like, I can't learn the accent that quickly. I mean, I can try it, but I, I it's probably not going to be very good. And I definitely can't rap. So that's that. And I kind of said that, and that went back to the director and so then he called me and he was like, okay, I, I don't care about the accent right now. Like you can do American accent, right? And I was like, yes. So he was like, that's fine for the labs. That's not, that's not the important thing right now. The acting is the most important thing. I haven't figured out who this character is. I'm trying to figure her out. And there's, there's just something about you in the, the work I've seen that I think we can figure it out. And also, yes, you have to rap. But there's only three raps. And I mean, have you ever just like rapped along to a song on the radio? And I was like, well, yeah, of course. Everyone has. Everyone can do that. And he's like, okay, well, that's all you need to do. Like, I'm going to give you a rap to listen to. Just learn it. And then you'll you come and do it. And he's like, if it's bad, it's fine. That's not what it's about right now. This is figuring out the character. So, I mean, it terrified me. But at the same time, I was I was like, how can I say no? Like. I want every opportunity, right? That's why I'm out here. So I said yes. And also the, the script was really cool. I like read the script. I was like, this is crazy because it also was way more crazy at first. But it's really cool and there's just something about it. And so I, I went. I went into the labs and I remember the first time I had to rap for him. We were sitting in like a mountain in Utah and I he looked terrified. Because I think he's like, the rapping doesn't really matter. But he's like, but it kind of does. <laughs> it really kind of does. He realized when he... Yeah. <laughs> so um, I rapped and he was like, okay, I can work with this. Like, it's not great, but it's fine. You can, you've got rhythm. At the very least, we can figure this out. And then, yeah. And then I started learning how to rap over the next year and a half. Um, so it took a year and a half from the lab... Well, from the, the lab, we at the end of the lab, he was like, I want to do this movie with you. Like, I, I, I'm going to make this movie and I want you to be in it. And I was like, I want to be in it. Because it felt like over the last three weeks that we were there, we had figured out who this character is together. It was, it was like it, this was his vision and we were talking about and figuring it out. And, and it just it felt. Wow. I don't know. It was it was one of those experiences that was incredible. Very unique. Yeah. And so you got to help create your character. Yeah. Which is really cool. And um, so then basically I just started practicing in the hopes that it would eventually get made. He would send me raps. I would just learn them. And yeah, it was a year and a half before we went into pre-production, I guess. And by the time we finished the film, it was two years since the labs. So... And then when did you realise that, you know, you'd made films before, when did you realise that this film was going to be received in a way that would open so many doors for you? You never really realised that, I think. Um, one of my, my manager, Rodney, he, he, I don't know, the moment he read it, he's like, I know, I feel something special with this one. I just, I just feel it. I just really do. And he kind of always had that belief 
And from the the labs felt really special to all of us. And then production felt incredibly special. And it was one of those things where you're like, I hope that people love this as much as we do because it was just one of those experiences unlike any other. It wasn't just like going to work. It was never work. And we were working long hours. <laughs> we're working really hard. Everyone was working really hard because it's an indie movie that yeah. you're trying to do in a very short amount of time. It was very ambitious. And everyone was just passionate about it. Like down to everyone, like down to the PAs, like we, everyone loved the crafty woman. Like it was just yeah. such a tight knit family. And like, I'm still friends with a lot of those people. One of the PAs that I'm good friends with, I'm seeing next week, for example, it's, it's like, it's, it was just one of those experiences that you can't describe. And so you kind of hope that people will have the same feeling that you felt making it. But at the same time, you, you don't, you're like, you're aware that it's like an indie movie that, you know, doesn't have distribution and no one may ever see because that's, that's the reality. And there weren't any names in it, really. I mean, there, I mean, obviously, Kathy Moriarty is amazing, but there were no, like, big names that are guaranteed to get it anywhere. So you just, you can just kind of hope. And when it got into Sundance, it was uh, amazing. But I was like, you know, a lot of movies get into Sundance. It doesn't mean. And then the reception at Sundance was just overwhelming. I think we all kind of just, like, blacked out for a second. We're all just standing on a stage, like, overwhelmed beyond belief, crying, just like, okay, this is crazy. And then the whirlwind of press and um, film festivals ensued after that, and Cannes was insane. I think we we all hadn't really slept in, like, four months because we'd been working so hard and... We came to Cannes and were completely sleep deprived and again, just crying. <laughs> and I don't know. It was it was a crazy experience. After Patty Cakes, did you realize that were you suddenly being offered different kinds of things? Would more doors open? Did you feel it immediately? Oh, immediately. Um, it was almost like before Sundance that things were weird because it because it kind of got on a few lists as like a one to watch. And I was like, what? What are these lists? No one's even seen it. Stop. Stop having such high expectations. What if people don't like it? <laughs> and it was more a freak And then out. you got on a list with Variety as one of the ones to yeah. watch, right? Yeah. It was weird. All of a sudden there were a lot of lists and you're on a lot of lists and you're like, OK, what is happening? <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's kind of like an overwhelming thing and you don't really know how people are going to react to it, but then people react well to it. And then you're like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You're trying to never get your hopes up or have any expectations, but I got agents immediately following Sundance, um, which I knew was a big deal. Um, And then all of a sudden, yeah, roles kind of started coming in and you realize that it's not just that doors are opened up for you all of a sudden, it's doors that you didn't know existed suddenly appear out of thin air. And you're like, but that's what? That's it's not a thing. But it is a thing, I give guess. Me, give me it an example. I don't know. It's it's there's there are roles and you're like, okay, this is this is who I am. These are the roles that I go out for. And then all of a sudden there are these doors being opened. They're like, this is a role that we've written and it's not you at all, but we will change the role so that you fit into it. It's not like you have to change to fit the role. It's like we will change it for you. And you're, and that's where I'm like, that's not something that I ever expected. Wow. Um, so that's really cool. And I also think that's just a society evolving and 
you know, becoming more open-minded, which is great, but it's, yeah, it's crazy. Cause it's not something you expect. And it's also, this industry is a roller coaster. Like I'm very, very grateful for the amount of work that I've had in the past year and a half. I haven't stopped, which is amazing. Um, but I'm also aware that I'm sure there'll be a lull coming up and, you know, you get through that and you just kind of keep riding the wave until, I don't know, forever, hopefully. <laughs> so. Was Skin the first movie you did after Patty Cakes? No. Um, I did an episode of Easy, the show. Which, oh, the Netflix series? Yeah, the Netflix series, which was so much fun. So much fun. Um, and then I did Dumplin'. Oh, Dumpling was before Dumpling. Skin. Yeah, Dumpling was okay, next. Okay, so let's talk about Dumpling because, I mean, you know, Jennifer Aniston stars and mm-hmm. what? how did that all come about and did you have to meet with her first? And I did, yeah. Uh, I knew that she was attached and I'd already met with the director and I had like a three-hour conversation with the director. I fell in love with her. She's amazing. And... and um, and then you just don't really hear anything for a while. And you're like, well, I, you know, we'll see. I was 25 at the time. I knew it was for like a senior in high school. So I was like, well, I don't know if <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if this happens. But um, then uh, on, I th- it was, I think it was like the 17th of May. This is very weird that I know the specific dates, but I think it was the 17th of May last year that I got a call saying on the 19th, we want you to meet with Jen in LA. So you'll go to her house and just meet with her. And the 19th was my birthday. So I knew that was, I was in New York at the time on the 17th. And so I was flying back to LA on my birthday on the 19th. So I was going to get right off the plane and just go straight to Jen's place. Jen, as we all know, is <laughs> Jennifer Aniston. Yes. <laughs> and have a meeting with her or just hang out and talk. I don't know. So I went over to her place and we, I was there for like an hour or two and um, with her and the producers and, and our director and just kind of hung out and spoke. And then I was like, okay, cool. And I remember Jen asking me, she's like, how old are you? And I was like, well, today is my 26th birthday. <laughs> I was like, was like, what is your birthday? I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was really funny because I, I was flying from New York to LA and obviously patty cakes hadn't come out yet or anything. So, but I, I went, I think the trailer had just come out for patty cakes. So I was at the airport desk and I was like, Hey, I have a middle seat because I mean, no one wants to fly middle seats. Middle seats are the worst. And it was a six hour flight. And um, I was like, it's my birthday. Is there like any way I can be aisle, window, back of plane? I don't care anywhere that isn't a middle seat by any chance. And they were like, oh, I don't think we have anything. And I was like, oh, that's fine. And then she was like, wait a minute. Did I just watch you in a trailer? (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, that's so weird because it's like one of the first times that, that had ever happened. Um, and she's like, yeah, we really have nothing. I'm so sorry. And I was like, that's fine. Oh, she didn't <laughs> upgrade you to first class? No, 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 no. This, this isn't a good story. Uh, <laughs> but um, so I, I flew home in a middle seat. But was friends on the plane? It was. Actually, genuinely, I watched it and I'm not kidding. <laughs> It's actually very funny that you asked that. <laughs> but I, I flew home in the middle seat watching Friends and then I got to L.A. and then I went to Jen's house. And I'm like, I just flew in a middle seat and now I'm at Jennifer Aniston's house and this is just such a weird day. 
And it's you your know birthday. What I mean? Just the, and then it's my birthday. And it was crazy. And then I went to my my friend's place afterwards. And like we just had so much fun. And I was just it was just really nice and like celebrating my birthday. I was like, this is a crazy year. It was such a crazy year. And then um and then I booked it. I guess I found out like a couple weeks later that I got it and then I did it. <laughs> so Dumplin' was based on Julie Murphy's coming of age book, mm-hmm. um, best-selling book, and there's a lot of huge fans of that book. Yeah. It's if, for people who don't know because it hasn't come out yet and it probably will just after it, this comes out. Um, what What is your role? You actually play Jennifer Aniston's daughter, right? I do, yeah. I play wow. Jennifer Aniston's daughter. She's a former beauty queen, is that right? Yeah, she's a former beauty queen that now runs the Miss Teen Blue Bonnet pageant. I believe I got the name right. Oh, I hope. Um, it's been a year. But uh, she runs the pageant. I'm her daughter and I hate the pageant. And then I decide to join in spite of her. And she's kind of furious. It's it's a lot about a mother-daughter relationship. That's kind of the focus. But then it's also about finding yourself when you're a teenager, finding love. Like, you know, Will kind of falls for a boy. My character's name is Willardine. She falls for a boy. Um, and it's getting over her own insecurities and believing she's worth it. And uh, it's about friendship. And then obviously at its heart, the mother-daughter relationship is kind of the focus and um it's a really beautiful story I fell in love with the book I took a photo of the book a year ago like immediately when it came out I remember I would go to Barnes and Noble and I'd always like take photos of books that I want to get um things that I was interested in but I would always be reading like five books at a time so I'm like okay that's the next batch so I had a photo of it and then um and then I was in New York and I bought the book and I read it instantly and I was like I'm in love with this I I, wow before you even knew about the movie I knew the movie was a thing I'd never been in for it or anything like that yet but um yeah I took a photo of that book well before I ever knew there was it was going to be made into a movie um and it was weird because like the girl on the cover I was like that that looks like me that's really weird (laughs) so I think that was um kind of what immediately got my attention and then I read the book and I was like wow it's like she just stole my insides and like (laughs) put it out there on uh, on paper I mean obviously very different experiences but just some of yeah some of it she just really had a great understanding for um I don't know what you go through as an insecure teenager I guess and it was beautiful I loved the book and I was like I have to do this I have to do this I have to do this I'm such a fan and I was so lucky to be able to get to do it. Yeah. You've always, um, you know, talked about in interviews about um, how important it is for diversity as well as like race but shapes and sizes. Do you feel you've sort of helped break another barrier in terms of showing people that it is about the insides and that, you know, these kind of roles you know, some of the roles, sure, it has to be also about how you look to portray the storyline in yeah. this one. But there are others now where everybody's just going for any role, regardless of, you know. I well, mean, Magnum I, P.I. is Latino now. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I I know. I, that's kind of that's kind of my favourite thing. Um, with skin, for example, um, it's... There was never a question of what she looks like. It was it wasn't about what she looked like. That wasn't even an issue. It was just like, hey, there's this character and this is the character, and there is no 
physical description. Um, but it's you. So cool. There you go. <laughs> and so that was something that was never focused on weight or body image. It was a story that had nothing to do with that. And that's irrelevant to it. It's just a person living their life and this is their experience. And that is incredible to me because it shouldn't only be about that. Don't get me wrong. I think that those stories are also important because it helps people understand and relate because it is still a thing in society. Um, but at the same time, I love that there are roles where it's like, it's not about that. It's just, you're a human being. That's really important to me. And, uh, I, I don't know that I've helped in any way. I mean, I hope that getting to play these roles helps people. I know that when I was growing up, I didn't ever really get to see myself represented, or if I did get to see myself represented, it wasn't in a positive way necessarily it was usually you know a girl that gets bullied or the weird one or the nerdy one or the goth one or there, there was never like hey this is just a person that has a life and like gets experiences and gets to have their own like story that was never a thing so you don't really realize how that affects you until you grow up and you're like oh no I don't get that because that's that's not what I've been told growing up and it's not that I haven't been told that from my family and like my friends and, but it, it is something that like enters your brain as a kid. You just don't think it's ever going to be a possibility because it's not what you get to see around you all the time in media. And that's a huge part of life. It's, it's all around us. That's how people learn. So getting to play roles and getting to show people that, Hey, you get your own, I don't know, you get your own story. You get to be the lead character in your own life. You get you get your own love story. You get your own, like, success story. You get your own, like, underdog story. Whatever. Whatever it is, you can succeed in what you want. And I think that that's really important for kids to see growing up so that they know that they're equal. Mm. Because you don't often think that. So, yeah, I really hope that some of these roles help kids to realize that you're just a person and it doesn't matter like what background you have where you come from like what your family situation is what what you look like it, there's so many things and I think we need to stop categorizing people well unfortunately with acting even you know what it's it's often about the outside appearance and you know, people are told they're too skinny, they're too blonde, they're yeah. too this, they're too that. Yeah. Um, and it's not a good profession to go into if you don't have a lot of self-esteem. But you seem to have always been incredibly confident and comfortable in who you are and going after what you want. Do you think that was from your parents or were there times where it did hurt you in some way that, you know, it's all about rejection so often with acting and auditioning. It is. It is. Um, it's, I don't know, it's funny because I, I would say a lot of it is just pure stubbornness more than anything. <laughs> um, but I think that I grew up with like a good group of friends and good family that made me feel like I can do whatever I want to do and I am worthy of whatever I want and I don't know, I deserve to have what everyone else does. So I... I don't think I ever kind of doubted that I could. I mean, no, that's a lie because everyone has insecurities. You know, everyone doubts 
what they deserve. Everyone doubts what they want. But I, at least, even if I doubted it, I knew what I deserved, I guess, if that makes sense. I, yeah. I had been taught that I do deserve what everyone else does and just like everyone should believe. And that's that's the importance of family. Like everyone's going to have their insecurities and unfortunately a lot of what we see in media and stuff gives us those insecurities. So that's what I mean by I hope, you know, these roles show girls that, oh, it's, it's fine, just be you. Um, and boys, you know. But um, I did have a family that, yeah, made me believe, yeah, you you get whatever you want. You just need to work on, put your mind to it and be you. And that is something I always knew. So even when self-doubt kind of comes in, there's always that thought of, oh, no, I, I do. I do deserve to get what I want. And, and that can't nothing can stop me, I right. guess. But me, because you're kind of you can be your own worst enemy. So I try to not be my own worst enemy, I guess. And that's that's how you keep going and you keep believing in yourself even when things are hard. And, um, you know, people break through and people break through and do what they want to do and start representing people. There are a lot of there are a lot of people in the industry that are breaking ground for a lot of different people and minorities and communities. And that inspires all those people in those communities to do the same. And then there are just more and more people and then. Before you know it, there's just a whole bunch of people and we're just all people and we're not segregated, I hope. I don't know. That's my brain. That's where my brain goes. Ideal world. <laughs> but, yeah. So um, there's obviously you've been here in LA a long time. So you've seen the incredible wave of Australians that are getting off the plane almost every day yeah. and some of them going right into movies and, and all the rest of it. Do you have any theories about why you think Australians in particular just seem to have really, you know, been embraced and for such a small country have such a huge uh, population of actors over here making it? Yeah, uh, I mean, we do. We really do. I think, I think part of it is, you know, you come out here on a visa and you're like, I've got a time limit. <laughs> I've got three years to, to get something to at least be able to get another one. So you know, you, you work your butt off. You really, there is no other option. Um, whereas I guess a lot of people here, it's, they're not going to get kicked out of the country if they haven't made in a few years. So it's just a little bit more of a relaxed nature and not everyone, don't get me wrong. I know a lot of very determined Americans that give themselves their own time limits, which is what drives them forward. But, but with us, it's, you don't have a choice. <laughs> So I think that's what makes people work just really hard to get seen. Try different things because if you're not getting seen, I feel like Aussies are like, okay, well, I've got a time limit. So let me try something different on you and see if that works. Like you're willing to be a little bit more creative and just lay it all out there on the line. Right. I think, I think, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's Do you think it's something in the nature of Australians? Because you didn't work in Australia, but you did study in Australia in terms of acting. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Maybe a lot of them that come here, um, they're fresh faces, but they've kind of, yeah. you know, they've been trained. Yeah, I trained in Australia, so that's that's where I learned how to act, definitely. Um, I I definitely think that might be a thing. I don't... And also people tell me that there's a lot about the hardworking sort of reputation of yeah. of Brits and Australians, yeah. really. There are tons of British people that are also working here. It's 
I I think I don't know people people like something a little different and I feel like Australians and Brits come over and they have a different vibe a different personality like I mean and obviously everyone has different personalities but there is a vibe to Australians and there is a vibe to Brits and there is a vibe to Americans and a lot of the time you like something that you're not used to so I think sometimes an Australian will come in the room or a Brit will come in the room. They're like, oh, this is different. This is refreshing. I like this. So that can also be a thing. You know, I, I think vibes are so important in characters because so many people can act. It really is about that extra thing that you can't really explain that you don't even know that you have. It's someone else sees it within you. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a hard one to pinpoint honestly, but I think it is a lot of hard work and it is just a lot of energy. And I don't know, I work with so many people and they're like, oh, every Australian I've met, I love, I love them all. So I don't know, people, Australians that come out here, I feel like are great and open and just, they're like, oh, I live in America. I'm an open person, but I'm an Aussie at heart. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it, it seems to work. So I don't really know what everyone's doing, but keep doing it, I guess. <laughs> well, talking about dumpling again for a minute, I'm assuming since you have this very complicated mother-daughter relationship that you're portraying, you must have had some scenes where you and Jen Aniston really go at it. What, yeah. what was that like, <laughs> actually working across from her and probably having to give her a lot of grief since you play her teenage daughter? Yeah, I know. There were so many eye rolls at her. <laughs> um, it's... I, I, it's crazy because, you know, if you actually stop and think about the fact that like, oh, I'm acting opposite Jennifer Aniston right now, you won't be able to to do it because it's just such a weird thing. So you kind of get that out in the beginning. You're like, well, ah, this is crazy. And then, um, I don't know, you get to know each other. I, I, after I got the role, I went and hung out at our house again. We went through the script, the relationship. We would go to dinner in Atlanta when we were filming. So I got to know her as a human being and she just became a human being. But she's just a very giving human being when it comes to when it comes to work. She will be there. She'll show up for you. Like if the DP is like, I need you to look at a dot on the lens. And you're like, ooh, <laughs> Jen, will, Jen will be like, OK, but let me give her half an eye and I'll hide half behind the lens. I will hide in there. And so she can at least see my eye and connect. And she's that kind of person that's like, what can I do to to make your coverage great? And it's not about her coverage. It's what what can I do for you? And that is an amazing thing as an actor to to receive. So working with her was incredible. I'd, I've been very lucky. I've worked with some really, really great people that, you know, are, are huge names. And you're like, I hope that they're great. And then they are. I feel like the bigger the name, like the greater the person in a weird way. I don't, I don't know, like a lot of these big, big names, I feel like they're there for a reason because people like working with them and they're hardworking and they're talented. I feel like, you know, you hear stories about other actors and I feel like they were probably up and coming and then went away because people didn't like working with them. Yeah. But the ones that are there and st stick around, it's they're there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the fridge? That's the fridge. <laughs> that is the fridge. Oh, really? We're just sitting here in Hollywood with all the great exciting sounds around us. Um, so you're going off to Toronto to the film festival soon to to launch Skin with Jamie Bell. Mm -hmm. um, what can you tell us about that? And just give us a little taste of all these things you've been busy working on for Ooh. the last year. Okay. Um, I did Dumplin'. 
Then I did Bird Box, which is a movie for Netflix starring Sandra Bullock. Um, which was oh, another nobody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which was a really fun experience. Um, and we we shot in LA, which was cool because that never really gets to happen that often. Um, then I went and shot Skin. And then I shot a movie called Paradise Hills. And now I'm working on a mini series called Unbelievable um, with Tony Collette, which is exciting. Another Australian. Um, Do you have a lot of scenes with Tony? I don't. No, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. We're still at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've met her. I met her at Sundance last year, and then uh, I ran into her in hair and makeup the other day. So it was it was good to see her again. But uh, I don't know yet because we're only like we're we're still at the beginning stages of it. So we 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 haven't got the last episodes yet. So. Who knows what will happen? I'm also really not allowed to say like anything about that project, just sure. that I'm in it. So I'm gonna keep my mouth closed on that one. But um, but yeah, it was it was that this has been fun. But um, skin, which is premiering at TIFF. Yeah, it's crazy because we only filmed it like February March, and now it's already ready to be released. I was like, wow, that was crazy quick. Um, it's an indie. It's dark. We shot in upstate New York. Uh, Jamie Bell is like one of the best scene partners I've ever had in my life. He just, he's great. He's so, so good. And he's really, really good at getting, um, I don't know, something out of me that I didn't even know I had in me, I guess. I felt like I learned so much on that set from all the actors. Um, Bill Camp is incredible. Vera Farmiga and Jamie, obviously. Um, that which is kind of amazing like I felt a little more insecure on that set than I do at times but in a good way in the sense that wow I've still got so much to learn and I'm growing so much because you guys are just so good I just can't compete like they were just all really really good Um, what was it about it's it's a hard one (laughs) it's um uh Jamie plays uh a neo-Nazi who is trying to get out of the life. And it is based on a true story. And um, I play the woman he falls in love with. um, And I'm trying to get out with him. And um, it all kind of happens because of this one guy that really is about getting Nazis out because... That's kind of the and that's kind of the point. Like the only way that there can be a change is if we stop people from thinking this. And unfortunately, these people with such hate have kids, and they teach them to have hate, and it just continues in generations to come. So when there is someone that is like, actually, you know what? I I don't like this. I I got brought into this as a kid, and I didn't really know much better. But I want to get out and I, I want a fresh start and I don't want to have this hate and do these horrible things. When someone like that wants to get out and they want to teach their kids to be a good human being, it's something that is important because people need to know it is possible because that's the only way anything's ever going to change. Um, Mike Coulter plays the guy that Daryl who gets, who helps get him out. Um, right. And it's, it's, yeah, it's a, it was an intense, quick, but like, crazy shoot where yeah you just it was freezing up there and you're just I don't know it was 
I don't even know how to explain that shit. It was crazy, but um, hopefully, I haven't seen the movie, so I don't know. But hopefully, it well, produces a good it's movie. It's been accepted at the Toronto Film Festival, so, so that's it must a good be good. Sign. That's a good Very sign. good. <laughs> yeah. And you're working on something now that you're not allowed to say anything about. Is that right? I mean, just yeah, that it's called Unbelievable, and yeah. I'm in it. Yeah. But that is that is it. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> it's a true story, so. I think I'm not allowed to like talk about the character or what's happening because they don't want to, I don't know. Because you can find out far too easily if you Google it probably. Well, of course, once you break through in America, then suddenly probably I'm imagining Australians then go, wait, we didn't know about her. <laughs> have you had any offers or have you got any desire to to go back and do the occasional project at home? I have a huge desire to do it. Um and I have, ho- I mean, I can't say, hopefully something is happening uh, soon <laughs> where I will get to work in Australia and actually play an Australian. So my fingers are really crossed that that all happens and they're trying to figure it out right now. So can't say anything. But at the same time, um, yes, I really, really want to go home and film and I want to play an Australian. That's very exciting to me, that concept. No, you'll have, to, you'll have to make sure your accent's totally Aussie, I right? Know. I'm going to have to put it on a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. No, when I go home, it always comes back a little stronger, you know? I feel for you guys because I never have to change my accent, but I know yeah. that sometimes a lot of you have sort of just because it makes it easier when you're always playing Americans. Yeah. You kind of lean into it, you know. I don't even intentionally do it at all, but it's funny because yesterday I was on set and there is an Australian guy that was playing opposite me and he he had to be American as well. But we were talking beforehand and we were just, I guess I became a little more Australian. I went into a take and I did the scene. I was like, that was not a great American. What just happened? (laughs) (laughs) The director came and she's like, just watch that. Uh, those two words. I was like, no, 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 I got got it. Yeah. 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 That was, that was bad. I'm sorry. Let's go again. And we, we went again. And then I was like, American, American, but it is funny how, yeah, when you're around Americans, it automatically slips into it way easier. When I was around an Aussie, all of a sudden, I was, I was like, well, I have to pay attention. I got to a point with American accents, I can just slip in and out. But when there's an Aussie around, I guess I have to focus a little bit more again. <laughs> so I guess, you know, if you can rap and you can do an American accent, you can do anything, right? Uh, that's the hope. <laughs> I keep telling myself that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Danielle, for of doing course. the podcast. I hope everybody listening gets inspired and... It's great to hear about people who make their dreams come true all the way from Australia. And I can't wait to see what's next. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) I've done a lot of these podcasts now, and while every Aussie in Hollywood has their own unique story about how they made it, Danielle's story reminded me that many of my guests do share something in common. They not only have that resilient Aussie spirit of giving it a go, but they also never give up. Until next time, that's all from Aussies in Hollywood. Aussies in Hollywood was presented by me, Jenny Cooney, and recorded in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Audio production was by Nick Slater, and executive producer was Jenny Goggin. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the app, or look me up on iTunes. <laughs>